Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Injection site and muscle pain. Ask your pharmacist or doctor about Pfizer's RSV vaccine, Abrisvo, respiratory syncytial virus vaccine. For full prescribing information, please call 1-844-989-7284 or visit abrisvo.com. Brought to you by Pfizer. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. Excuse me. I'm coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter on X at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad that he's with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist in the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. On Twitter, at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. I don't know. How are we feeling after last? Are we feeling good because the Tigers are about to play, you know, start conference play and, you know, this run? It's a matter of, it's a matter of perspective. Or are, we, are we feeling bad about last night and the Grizzlies losing I, that bummer of a game to I'm the I'm just Raptors? saying I tried to warn everybody on Tuesday. When it was Tell the Truth Tuesday, mm-hmm. I tried to warn everybody. Sometimes as a sports fan, you don't need to try to jump the gun. And mm-hmm. talk yourself into something. And mm-hmm. I blame you a lot for this. Oh, okay. You're the one that's been adamant that, like, you you have been very much head in your sand about this roster. Talking about the Tigers roster? Or the no, 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 roster? no, 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 no. <laughs> we've been simpatico on the I've, we've We've been using our eyeballs this year with the Tigers roster. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, it doesn't. Today, certainly the view is not great after losing that Raptors game. Um, it was the second night of a back-to-back, but uh, again, it's all a matter of perspective. Like, it's very. What did you think last I, night? I think it is very accurate to say it's getting late, early, pretty quickly. Is that, is that what you're trying to say? Pretty quickly on uh, yeah, it's getting late, early, pretty, and pretty quickly on the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, it's not completely dark yet, but we'll dive into. It. I think I think maybe today the best way to go about this because you know we're looking back at last night and the Grizzlies. You know, really not playing well. And, you know, this final score, they they made it close at the end. They had a chance in the fourth quarter there. They had three or four possessions there where they could have cut it to a one-possession game. But ultimately, we're outplayed for most of the game by the Raptors. Pretty significantly, it felt like. Uh, I thought they had a, a pretty good—the first quarter felt back and forth. Yes. 
first quarter was that's why that's why it was interesting and we can get into it what Taylor Jenkins said after the game um about sort of them not having any pop or uh you know he, he needs to do a better job getting them prepared for the game first quarter wasn't the problem it was the second quarter and the start of the third quarter that were really yeah. the issues for uh and really it was they've been horrible in the second quarter but when you really watch the game it was a one point game with two or three minutes left in the second quarter it was the last two or three minutes of the second quarter and then the first few minutes of the third quarter where Marcus what they they would refer to in football as the middle eight yeah you know <laughs> it was Toronto just thoroughly outplayed them um so we'll die let's let's start with the bad here to begin the show and talk Grizzlies and then look ahead in the second hour to the Tigers who play Tulsa tonight to start off conference play top 15 Memphis Tigers um highest they've been ranked this late in the season since I believe we've determined it's it's since the 0708 team I, I think right I thought the this late I, in the season Okay, yeah. This late, not not. I was gonna say, I thought Penn, I thought the team after they beat Tennessee, I thought they got up into like the close no, to yeah, the top it's, ten. it's it's like it, basically in January they've never been ranked this high since back then. Um, so we'll get into that. We got Eric Hasselstein joining us next segment, so we'll we'll do Grizzlies with him, and then Jason Smith will join us uh, at three thirty or so. We'll get into the list as well next hour. Um, but let's start with the Grizzlies, and it is Thursday, Jeffrey. Mm. So we got to bring it back when we when there's a dramatic loss like mm-hmm. that, and but not dramatic in terms of the game action, but dramatic in terms of how it felt. Afterwards. Certainly, the response felt yeah. dramatic. Um, what better way than to have tasty takes about mm-hmm. it? you know like, that's set up for some tasty takes. Um, here's mine. All right, I think the sooner they can make a trade, the better. Any trade um, that. They need to do something to shake things up on the back end of the roster if they're going to have any chance. Like, ultimately, you are right. The numbers are working against them at this point. It's more likely than not, certainly, that they don't even make the play-in with the position they're in right now. Um, But I think you need to keep trying to, like, go on some sort of run. And if you're waiting until the trade deadline... That's pro- like the way things are trending, it feels like, and the schedule you have ahead, it's probably it might be too late. Um, and I'm looking to do anything to try and you know whether it's getting a set a better center or you know someone to be like your eighth man, a better option as your eighth guy. Um, I'm doing something to shake them, shake some things up because they've lost four or five now. Um, and it's just becoming very clear that the problem is they've got they're playing too many guys that they shouldn't be playing. And as long as you are going to, I, I so I, I think they need I think they need to shake some shake something up here. Or they're you know if you wait too long, you're not going to have a chance to shake things up. If that makes sense. And I'm not saying make us a major trade. I'm saying like. You're doing something they, to consolidate they the need back. A shot in the arm. Yeah, like, you know, if you have to give up a pick to do it, I'm not talking about going and getting some great player. I'm just saying something for right now. You're basically asking for for the old... Uh, we, we, we see this more in college football. Maybe a little Botox. Uh, when you see this more in college football, when you got a team that's like three and four, maybe you know it's not the entirely the quarterback's fault. You know that there's a lot more people. 
But you're going to put a new quarterback in there. Yeah, shake put the things mobile, up. Put, put the yeah. running guy, see, guy who see, can see, run. See if you get a shot of life. Yeah, I, I'm doing something um, because they're getting – I mean, the back half of that roster, they're just getting nothing from. I mean, when you really look at it, Jeffrey, I, was, I started to list this out. How many guys who are playing for the Grizzlies this year on this roster will never have a role that we'll, – we would predict never to have a role – bigger than the current one they have or probably have a lesser role or, uh, than they have I'm gonna, on any other NBA team they're I'm ever to, on after this. I'm going to let you do this exercise. Mm-hmm. I would make the counter-argument. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to do the list of guys that would have the same role. Yeah, same or better role later correct. on in their career. Correct. Yeah. Right um, now, I think there's three. Josh Aaron and yes. Des. <laughs> Um I'd listen to the argument for Marcus Smart. And then I would probably listen to an argument for Santi. Because it would be different to me like if they had Santi in this role where he's playing 35 to 40 minutes. But I think the type of role that Santi has, you could talk me into some other team utilizes him a little differently. And so he could have a he could have a bigger role. I think it's a stretch, mm-hmm. but that's four. Or Canard, you wouldn't put Canard in that well, category. Well, Canard was out of the rotation in, when the Grizzlies the traded for him. Yeah, okay. And I'm a Canard guy. Um, yeah, so I, I list out immediately like Roddy. I don't think like I wonder if Roddy will be on an NBA roster, like a, be a regular NBA player ever again. I do. I think it's fair to say there he will can't not shoot. I think it's fair to say there's <laughs> no other team that would play Roddy. Excuse me, a team that's trying to be competitive. You mm-hmm. can talk me. Like yeah. part of the key, part of the key yeah, for some true. of these guys might be finding their way to like Detroit. There are some like bad that. teams that just just want to lose. Charlotte, yeah, yeah, like, yeah you're like right. Like who? You're like right. there, there are roles, but like on competitive teams. But it's like Roddy, Zaire, Laravia, Conchar, Biombo. Honestly, Der- like I hate to say it, Derrick Rose. Yeah, Xavier, I was Xavier, Xavier Tillman. Like I, it's. It's tough right now the way the roster construction has worked out and the, with the injuries, um, and so I just think if you're gonna make if you're planning to make a move at the deadline, I would be trying you know like the Knicks and Raptors just made you know just pulled off that OG Ananobi we you know we saw the effects of it last night. Uh, Emmanuel Quigley was pretty pretty good for the Raptors and RJ Barrett wasn't bad either for the Raptors last night. They also um, made the type of trade where they went, hey, we got something. We think you could use, and you've got something we think we can use, and you've got too much of it. You, you know, it, and so, but if, I, I just think the trade deadline's like a month away. Like this season's going to be done if you don't like if things don't turn around. Going to be <laughs> like, <laughs> um, no, but, but hope you can still on a string. Yeah, it's like look, it's getting it's getting late early. Uh, I don't know, but it, I also, it's, it's been late. I also think just as. We all probably certainly overreacted to the four wins after Ja came back. I do think there's an element of overreaction to this loss in that oh, it was I the sec- it was the second night of a back to back. The problem isn't wasn't necessarily to me as much the performance as much as it was like ultimately you dug yourself. It's the, the hole you dug yourself that made this game such an important. Such an important game. Like we, you know, I didn't I don't think effort is the problem with this Grizzlies team. I think when I watched that game last night, you saw pieces that don't quite fit yet, either yet or don't don't fit at all together. Like the whole Marcus Smart dynamic doesn't quite offensively fit yet. And it's partially 
I think because it doesn't quite fit. I think Marcus Smart offensively hasn't played very well. He's not shooting well right now. There's a lot of factors involved in that, a lot injury-related, it feels like. Um, But he also might not – he just doesn't quite fit. It it seems offensively, if you look at his numbers offensively, he's one of the he's one of the least efficient players on the team this season. The problem with the problem with the Marcus Smart evaluation is for the early portion of the season, he was being asked to play a role that he was not that you didn't trade him for. Like that was not what you brought him in to do. So to be your point guard, whatnot, that's a role. So that was a tough evaluation. Mm -hmm. Then he gets hurt Mm -hmm. and now you've brought him back with jaw and he's got the hand issue. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you still haven't made, you still haven't had the opportunity to make the full evaluation. But I would also point out, like, he's kind of got some tread on the miles. Like, there mm-hmm. are some... Tread on the tires. Yeah. yeah, some tread on the tires. There is an, there is kind of a... Yeah, no, that like, was... Some of the concerns, like, some of the actual concerns of this move are like, we talked okay. about it when they made the move. Like, people in Boston were saying, well, maybe this is like a classic, like, you know, Belichick Patriots move where we got out a year too early rather than a year too late mm-hmm. with a player who was... But ironically, it didn't apply to Belichick. But yes, it applied, you know, to not... Bill clearly should have hung it up before. No, but yes, yeah, yeah. But, but he but can hang on. He, he, but he, he, when he was a good coach correct. and GM no, or no, whatever, that was no, what he did. No, it's a classic... Fo- He's proving what a football guy he is. Yes. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. <laughs> no, no collective group of people on the planet better at that than football coaches. But it is, uh, it's, it's interesting how um, this is all played out with him, um, where it, you know it, it 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 hasn't quite meshed yet, but it, it's still you know we're still less than ten games into him playing alongside Ja, alongside. You know, Ja, Jaron, and Dez all at the same time. Um, but the one thing he has done well when you look at the numbers, he's actually shot the ball pretty well on corner threes. He's shooting he's shooting twenty seven percent on threes overall, but he's shooting forty percent on corner threes. He did not last night. Yeah, no, ironically, yeah, he last had, night he found the side of a back. That was one of the shots yeah. where uh, they could have uh, cut it down to that one. At least looked yeah. like oh, maybe yeah. Um, but he he's he. I don't know. It's it's a very interesting dynamic, but the the end result is uh, a record that is, you know, increasingly becoming too much to overcome. Uh, and so we'll see this this next road trip here. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you go one and two in this road trip, that would be like great. Oh, not great. That would be like again winning a game you're not supposed to, but still you're probably gonna you know you're not gaining ground going one and two on this road trip. No, I mean, and the, so, the bigger problem is if you, if you look at the next seven, what? Two and five is probably, if you're considering there's a decent chance you're an underdog in all seven, two and five is exceeding expectations. And you got, you know, and and unfortunately the schedule is like a little unforgiving. I mean, they're in, they're going to have to go across the country to LA today to play tomorrow night in a place where they haven't won a lot or very much at all over the past few years. And an L- and a Lakers team, interestingly enough, going through its own drama. I mean, we what would you rather be right now? The Grizzlies who are, you know, struggling kind of kind kind of to dig out of this hole cuz of the jaw thing or the Lakers where you've lost a bunch of these games and now like 
they, you know, in LA, you've already gotten now because they've they're below five hundred for the first time. The Athletic today wrote the story with six sources <laughs> that the locker room is is uh, increasingly disconnected from Darvin Ham. Um, I just found it impressive that like basically either six players or six of their aid they gave six of their agents permission or to LeBron gave six people because and of course it comes out it comes out on a day on a night apparently last night. There was a half-hour meeting after the game. Like, the locker room didn't open for a half an hour after the Lakers lost to, uh, why am I blanking on Miami. Miami. Heat culture. Yes. Um, but then LeBron. That, by the way, that felt targeted. LeBron left without talking to reporters. Mm. And, and and amazingly, you get a, you get reports this morning. Mm-hmm. Funny how that works. He he didn't talk to reporters on the on record. record. <laughs> on the camera. <laughs> um, but... So it's uh, you you you're playing that in your next game that that could go two way either ways I mean and it'll be interesting to hear it is at least a different tenor coming from the Grizzlies locker room last night right you know like they they're at least still saying they're behind Taylor Jenkins and you know that like they, they see, though the things are not looking great they still seem invested does that right in that the in, when you say like they they haven't they haven't let go of the rope. Yeah, I yeah, probably. Like they, you know, I think it's not that I mean, it is getting late, but like if you can get on a run, that's the key. And I just don't know if they can or can't. I mean, like I if you know, can they, sw- I, I guess you I'll, can go string off seven wins in eight games or something, maybe we can, you know, like that's not then you're like having a different discussion, you know, a, a month and a half from now. Like I'm not saying it's going to happen over the next seven or eight games, but like if at some point you can get on a stretch like that. I don't know if it's possible. Um, yeah, I guess what I would say to that is, Des and Jaron have come out pretty solidly, mm-hmm. and I, I'll i be the one that brings this up because I can't get it out of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got the Tim McMahon, like the mm-hmm. the the long, I don't know what you call it, recap piece, I felt yeah, like it was like the when compilation. The started, yeah. It was the compilation. Him and that, him and other uh, uh, Baxter Baxter Holmes. Yeah. When you got that compilation piece, like there, the, some of the meetings, some of the meetings with Ja included Taylor Jenkins, and I don't know if there's like clearly a rift between Ja, but I do take note. One of the one people, one of the we've seen Des and Jaron come out and say in support of Taylor, but Ja doesn't seem. Ja seems to be. Indifferent. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I wouldn't want to put any sort of. I'm not. I say, haven't I'm talked to him about it. Dir- right, but I don't think he's been asked about it directly either. So I don't. I wouldn't want to put any sort of descriptive word. For me personally, on what I'm just saying, how he it feels is natural or doesn't to feel draw about Taylor. Jenkins. It is natural to draw the conclusion if you were at the point that Ja was, which is pretty defiant that you've not done anything wrong. And you're getting you're getting scolded by a coach, which is what that story said. It does seem to me that maybe you're not going to be in the trenches with him. We'll see. It depends. I, I don't know. Maybe Ja reacted reacts well to like authoritarian figures. You know, kind of. We did not last year. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I don't know. I don't know how Ja feels about Taylor Jenkins. I guess the my my whole thing is you're kind of asking for like a shake it up. Like they yes. need, need get some Just new something. blood. Some new blood in here. I think it's new approach, and this is this would be my mm, argument. Interesting. If you look at the reality of what they've got, which I think is pretty clear at this point, 
They have three guys that you can sit there and go, they're for sure going to be on the team next year. Are you in agreement with that? Yes. You know, starting next year, you are giving them a considerable amount of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what of the salary cap. I'm I'll gonna, look it up. I'm going to guess 70%. Maybe maybe that might be a little high, but 65 to 70% of your salary cap? Yeah, well, we don't know what the cap is next year, but this year the cap is um, – uh, cap. I think – well, right now they have 150 – like $149 million in salary. All right, so um, – And next year – let's see here. So next year, Jaron – Ja, Dez, and Jaron will make a combined basically one ten maybe, um, like one yeah one hundred five to one ten something like that. And then what did you say it was one forty nine this year? Yeah, I think that's right. Or they have a one hundred four. That's how much they have in action. So seventy percent. Yeah, I, I took your I took your low number of one hundred five, and we know it's probably going to be higher than one forty nine. Total cap is is one fifty nine. So this year. So we're looking at somewhere between 65 and 70%. Okay. Yeah, and they, you know, they can go up, but they can go higher than that if they want, you know, like ultimately. Right. But but I'm saying when you've got three players that are commanding that, mm-hmm. I think this idea of we're going to be a team that has 10 guys, that goes out the window. I think you can do the 10 guy thing when you've got Jaron or when you have Ja, well at a certain point you had Ja, Jaron, and Dez on a rookie deal. Mm-hmm. But you can really do it when you've only got one of them, Jaron, being on a very friendly deal mm-hmm. for his extension. Well, And then you had the other two on rookie deals. The other so, example is like, and I don't, it's unlike, you know, this is not a probably a comparable situation, but, and I don't even think the Miami Heat of the LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch era had used 10 guys, certainly not in the playoffs. Um, I mean, the closest we've seen was Milwaukee. But if you but if you remember those teams, like they, it was partially like that they were getting, and same with Golden State, they were getting like veteran guys to like take the veteran minimum, even though they weren't worth that. I don't think you're going to be able to pull that off in Memphis, right? That's why I'm saying though, it still has to be yeah approach difference. Yeah, no, no, I think I I think because now like Taylor Jenkins comes from the Budenholzer school where they Mm. play guys. They believe in it. Well, and what's interesting in the late with the Lakers situation, Darvin Ham is the same tree, and part of the issue it sounds like with the Lakers is he keeps messing with the rotation and playing a bunch of guys, and the guys are getting unsettled in their roles, and they don't like it. And, and to me, like I, when I say it's got to be an approach, you cannot just sit there and go. I think they are better off trying to figure out a way to find, and I don't think they're going to be on this roster. Because Jeff was misconstruing my point. He thought I was saying, like, they've got to cut it. Like, it was like a Penny Hardaway situation where take the team you got. No, no, no. I'm thinking, I've already, unlike you, I've moved on to, I'm thinking about how does this team get back next season. Mm -hmm. I think the approach is you've got to sit there and figure out a way. we got to get eight guys that can play basketball Mm -hmm. at this level, and we've got to figure out how that works. Yeah, and how many you have right now. Correct. And And that means, if that means that you've got seven guys on the rest of your roster that are, you know, either taking league minimum, rookie minimum, whatever. Like, well, that's I how do. You- I do think any move you make under my scenario, or just if you wait till the deadline, any move you make cannot just be about this year. 
Like it, you got to be thinking to your point of the only way this I'm, guy is going to be in our rotation next year too. Well, the only way I'll take a, a this year situation is if it's going to create cap space. Yeah, or you'd you'd think about resigning the guy. Sure, you know, like you you'd you'd want to if he played an extended fit. audition. Yeah, um, so it's a it's a fa- it is. It is at least I don't know. Do you are you still invested in the season from the sense of like you've get, you you very are you making it very clear you you've given up on the play in on the play in chase already. I, I am you're out. I'm out on this season as a competitive enterprise. Okay, because even like I'll I'll play this out with you. Let's say you're correct, and they even backdoor their way into the ten. Mm-hmm. There's no like that's still not a competitive enterprise. You just made your way into the play in, and so. Now we've got some bigger games. Well, to me, that's competitive in the sense that you it makes those games in March and April feel like they matter. Well, but I think there's a chance that those, those games might matter because I think it might be Taylor coaching for his job. It is interesting because you know you every with every loss, you know more and more people are trying to you know everyone's a lot of people are taking blame for this. It feels like whether it's Ja. Or Taylor Jenkins. It feels like Taylor Jenkins has moved to taking, the top. I, mean, I don't know. If there's a better way to phrase it because taking blame implies was, that like they would be stepping up. Well, like up at the saying, beginning of the year, I think certainly I think taking criticism. I think at the beginning of the year, the person who was quote unquote to blame slash who took the most criticism over how they started was honestly ultimately John Morant because he wasn't playing, and it was like ultimately they wouldn't have been in this spot if he hadn't have gotten suspended. Yeah, but as each loss. As we've moved along and more and more losses piled up, I think Taylor Jenkins has surpassed John Morant on the criticism scale. I think, frankly, Kleiman, Zach Kleiman in the front office should be like have moved up that ladder as well. You know, as each with each loss, there's more and more focus on how the heck did we get here? Well, you and know, think, and it's it, beyond what, the suspension to John Morant. And I think what leads to that mm-hmm. that you're describing is the fact that. I think why, for the people that were disheartened last night, mm-hmm. it seemed to me it was because, at least on paper, mm-hmm. you got really good performances from Ja, Dez, and Jaron, mm-hmm. and they still lost. Presumably, you were supposed to have, you're supposed to have, probably the three best players in that game. Yeah. Maybe Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam, certainly on a given night, can play better than, like, the Dez or Ja. I think it's fair Jaren, to say at but, this point in that game, you have, if you were ranking the top 50, mm-hmm. you had the most top 50. Maybe Scotty Barnes was ahead of someone. Maybe because he's played really well this year. But, um, and so, you know, it was, it was, it was tough. Um, but it also, you know, if they can win a couple games here that they're not supposed to over the next few, maybe, you know, Maybe they catch some injury luck, you know, with some of these games. You know, someone's sitting out that you didn't expect. Because um, ultimately, if you really look back on the last two seasons and the success they had in the regular season, I'm not saying it was the biggest reason why, but part of the reason why they had a lot of success is they had a lot of, like, schedule luck, it felt like, in terms of getting a lot of games where, like, you know, not the other team didn't have a lot of guys, everyone healthy. They're, now, they also had some, you know, Wins where they, you know, won without a bunch of their guys because their depth was so good, and they yeah. can't do that anymore. I see, I think more than quote unquote injury luck because I don't. I also think it's fair to say the Grizzlies had 
their bad own, injury yes, luck. Yes, bad yeah. injury luck. Like when you consider, but they had the depth to overcome it. I think where they had the benefit was you still had enough of your best players on cheap deals, and that is no longer going to be the case moving forward. And I would say, here's a tasty egg. I just don't think, like, to my point of, like, Jenkins has escalated to the top of the chain. Would firing him in the middle of the season, like, what does that really accomplish? Like, so, if you, like I, well, it's a philosophy question. I've, I've gone on record saying I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna be the coach next season. I would be surprised. And I'm not saying that with any sort of intel. Just based on how the NBA works, how this season is going, where I think it, where it's headed in terms of you know expectations and ultimately what the expectations and clock are going into next season. Where you know, however this ends. It's unlikely this ends with them in like the second round of the playoffs. That seems like totally out of the question. Yeah. Um, and so it's going to be viewed as a disappointing season no matter how it ends at this point, it feels like. And typically with how the NBA works, you know, the first guy who goes in situations like this is the coach. And, and ultimately, that's what I think is going to end up happening to try and, again, shake things up a little bit. That's the kind of the easiest way to do it. Um, but at the same time, I don't see what you accomplish by by firing them right now, just but unless you're going to go hire the person you think you know, do what Minnesota did, for instance. Remember Minnesota when they, they hired they, got, they hired, they hired yeah. Chris Finch. They just like got the guy who was rather than have an interim finish out the year, they just went and got the guy who they wanted as their head coach, and it worked out. If you're going to go do that, then I can listen to the conversation of like let's just get rid of Taylor Jenkins. But unless like there's some sort of mutiny within the roster, or they like just go on a horrendous losing streak. I don't really see what you're like what so, you really accomplished by getting rid of Taylor Jenkins right now or in the near future. Typically there's two scenarios when you would do the midseason change. The first, mm-hmm. the obvious one you mentioned, you just lose the locker room. Like you lose yeah. effort, everything. Yeah. When the Raiders quit on McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Like it was just obvious they quit yeah. on McDaniels. You, and you, I just don't see that happening where they completely quit on Jenkins. Uh, you take enough losses. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like when take you take enough where he'd get fired. Yeah. Okay. Because at a certain point, like it, it's just human nature. Like you're so far out of it. Like you just show up on, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's that scenario is, but you in, think they're going to respond to someone else on that staff? I'm not, you're, yeah. you're more looking at it. I'm looking at it for when do these scenarios happen? Yeah, you're more okay. kind of like looking at it like why would they do that? Okay. Yeah, no, I'm just looking at it in terms of what would it accomplish. But right, but you're right. Say, if the whole locker room's checked out of them, whatever you gotta, you know, that's when you gotta do it. And then the other time that you see it is when you have made the decision this is not your guy long term, mm-hmm. and you're desperately afraid of if we don't move on during the season. We get to the scenario that is probably likely where March and early April basketball, regular season basketball, Mm -hmm. if you get, like, he can get them all motivated, playing hard, because of the reasons that we're talking about, they're going to have three stars, whereas all these other teams are just kind of coasting to get to the playoffs, trying to make Mm -hmm. sure they either get healthy, or you got teams that are just playing their G League guys, Mm -hmm. just trying to finish the season. You go on a run and you go, see, like we're building towards next year, but you've made the decision that he's not the guy. It's, you see it more like. It's more of a football thing. It's more of a football thing when you know you fired your guy. Mm-hmm. It's either you you are firing the guy because you know you're done with him and you don't. Uh, they did it. LSU more or less did it with Orgeron. Mm-hmm. Orgeron they fired and like Jimbo. 
Jimbo they fired. Remember after like they throttled Mississippi State, but it's like you don't want to win the last couple of games and then end up saving the day. But don't you think they're going to win enough games where like ultimately like they're not? I mean they're above five hundred still with John ja Moran since he's come back. I think they're five and four right now, right? They are five and four, and also I think if you consider the games they actually had. And technically, they're with, five and three, right? With because he, ja, he missed Denver, he missed Denver, and just then one he, game. Yeah, he just missed one game. So yeah, they're five and three with him. Yeah, I would also point out, like, or maybe they're maybe it's five and two, or maybe yeah, five and three. I think that's right. So they were four, or no? Are they four and four now? And they're four and three, really, without him. Yeah, I think that might be. That's right. it, because they've just won the first four, right? Or maybe it's. Have they won a game after losing a game? Yeah, last night or Spurs? Okay, yeah. So they're. They're five and four, and they're really five and three because Ja didn't play the Denver game. Even though, let's be real, Ja played that Denver game; they were losing. <laughs> the bigger problem is like, okay, that's fine, but you're taking a very specific sample size. I don't imagine that number is going to be above five hundred when we talk in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I mean, based on what you, you know. What but see, the, like, my point is everyone keeps doing the, they're winning at this 60% clip. It's like, well, if you take a very specific data set, you can yeah. find a good stretch in there. Like, I can find a stretch where I won eight bets in a row. I'm not a plus 800 gambler. Yeah, no, the, the odds would suggest if they go three and five over the next eight, that's, they've done better actually, than expected. But the, art, yeah, the argument would be, Three and five, and now you're starting to get to where they're below 500. And I would actually argue that was a pretty good trip. Yeah, it's going to be really, <laughs> it's going to be really interesting. And then, um, also today, interestingly enough, we had our first All Star ballot mm. come out. Um, John Morant seventh among the Western Conference guards, um, and Desmond Bain and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. were not ranked. Uh, among the top ten, excuse me. It did surprise me that Ja was that high. Uh, I don't know, because the voting didn't open until right when he came back. So it's not like there was any voting being done while he was out. Does that make sense? So I think he that helped, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can buy that. It still surprised me. Um, honestly, though, it didn't surprise me on the other two just because like the Grizzlies have been so bad. Yes. I don't think they're going to get... Like, I know everyone's... Bane's putting up all-star numbers, and I think that's fair to say. I don't think he's getting in the all-star game. He's not... He had, there's not enough spots. Yeah, no, And they I, have, they're not good enough. No, they're... He's going to get punished for the record. Correct. Um, that's just the... That's just the truth. Um, let's see. I, what I am curious... Where, where was Ja last year? Remember when he was surprisingly low last year? Like, two years ago, he was a starter. He was one of the leading vote-getters, if I recall correctly. And yes. then last year, um, last year I don't think. Uh, oh, so last year, according to Jonah Dillon here at commercialpill.com, Ja finished third in voting among Western Conference guards last season. Yeah, but where was he to start? I recall, yeah, I recall he was I, low. Low, and I remember that kind of being like a thing. So here's, here's your. So in the, the Western Conference, your leading vote getter is LeBron James, and your second leading vote-getter is Kevin Durant, and they're also 
in the both in the front court. Frankly, your third leading vote getter in the West is Nikola Jokic. So there's your those are going to be your three front court starters in the in the All Star game more than likely. LeBron, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, and then the two leading vote getters of guards were Luka Doncic and Steph Curry, with Shea Gilgis Alexander in third behind them. Um, I mean, I think it's safe to say they're not having an All Star this year. I don't I don't feel like I'm going out on a limb. No, um, in the backcourt. Also ahead of Jaws, James Harden at fourth, Kyrie Irving fifth, um, and right just barely ahead of him, Anthony Edwards. Like him and Anthony Edwards have basically the same number of but votes. But just look at it. Like they're not going to get they're not going to get voted in as a starter. Jaws, Jaws not getting in the All Star. And he's not getting in the All Star. Like, I just don't I don't see that scenario. And I just don't I mean they ultimately the way Dez would get in would probably be maybe as an alternate. But like, don't doesn't he pick alternates based on the fan vote, or is it the combination? Because ultimately, it's fifty percent fan vote, twenty five percent media vote, and twenty five percent player vote. I believe is well, how they do it. At one time, remember the story came out. He picked it based on who he thought would for sure go. And then remember Harden. It changed when when Harden. I guess was it Harden that threw a hissy fit. Remember someone threw know. a hissy fit about not getting voted or not getting selected, and Silver asked him, and he's like, no. Um, in the Eastern Conference, Giannis, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum are your top three vote getters, along with Tyrese Halliburton uh, with the guards. He, he had over a million, and Damian Lillard second with the guards in the East. Trey Young third. Um, so, yeah, I don't. I, I think this is going to be. I think the All Star Games in Indianapolis this it year is too. Um, so, I would not expect. Well, I don't know. Do they have any voting ma- measures? That could upset people. <laughs> Can we move it? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. But it's uh, it's certainly an interesting time for the Memphis Grizzlies. Eric Hasseltine was on the call last night from FedEx Forum when they dropped that game to the Raptors. Do we, are we sure we're having him on? Is he I flying to L.A.? I was actually about to say. I don't know. Oh, okay. We should let's have find out. We Let's find out. If Eric is not available, we'll get you ready for that Tiger basketball game against Tulsa. We're, we're coming up with things on the fly here on the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. You're listening to 92.9 FM. Yes. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Bien. 
Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Program is brought to you by one of my new favorite spots in town, Birdie's. Located at 493 South Main Street, Birdies is a new indoor golf simulator concept. Located in the historic South Main District of downtown. They have three golf simulators as well as a virtual putting course, a full-service bar, and a great menu. This is one of the peak I wish I were playing golf weeks of the year. They're out in Maui, Mark. The PGA Tour returns, so they're out in Maui. It's still going to be in the 30s this weekend. You're probably not going to want to go out there and just bang the ball around a little bit. But a great alternative is to go to Birdies, get one of their golf simulators. You can play one of 600 golf courses in the world. Also, if you're a tech junkie, they have all the data that you would need to analyze your swing. Also, visit their Instagram page, at Birdies901, and sign up for their winter league. It's a two-person scramble. It will begin on January 15th. So you still got a little over about a week and a half to sign up for that. But go sign up for their Winter League right now. And you can do so on their Instagram page at birdies901. You can reserve one of their golf simulators today at golfatbirdies.com. Golfatbirdies.com. Also check out their gift cards and more. Birdies located at 493 South Main Street. All right, Marcus, bit of a scheduling update. Eric is en route to fabulous L.A. Like the second time in a week. He's going to join the program tomorrow. I think that's what okay. we've, we've come to the conclusion. He's going to join the program tomorrow. Okay. All right. So well, let's get everybody ready. We've, we've talked about the bad. Yes. All right. Let's talk about the good. Let's do it. Tiger basketball in a really good spot entering AAC play tonight. First game at Tulsa, a place that used to be Kind of like one of those places early on in Penny's career where was like it a some tough of his place to play or was it a tough matchup? <clears throat> no, I, I think, think he won his last road game. It was the Frank Hayth zone. Um, <clears throat> and what did Penny do? He hired him last year. Figured it all out. Because I feel like they won. I the, think, the, I think they he won beat that, him. Yeah, the last but time. it was a big comeback. I'm pretty sure that was. Yeah, the you're game right. That it was, was the yes, big you're right. It was the honestly. Down, it was the. It was the, the overlooked turnaround game of that well, season. Well, there were. That would have been your. It was right after the SMU rant. It was right after the, you know. Yeah, but you know what else happened? Amani got him some back issues. Yeah, stop asking me no. some stupid. Uh, but but remember they were real shorthanded in that game. Like no, Tyler but, Harris was the leading scorer. The, but yeah, it was the classic. If you were making the championship DVD, you would have said this was the turning point. Yes. When in reality, the turning yeah. point was it's more complicated than that. No, it was it was pretty simple. <laughs> they started playing different guys. <laughs> um, but uh, nonetheless. Uh, they were awful last year, Tulsa. Uh, Eric Conkle was their new head coach uh, last year. He's a Jim Larniega disciple. Mm. Uh, he was on that George Probably. Mason staff, shout on the Miami to, staff. Shout out to Jimmy last night. <laughs> Won me some money. Um, that Clemson, that stinks. All right, I'll take Miami. It does appear, Well, while I don't think Tulsa is any good, they certainly appear to be better than last year. Like last year, they were truly one of the worst Division One teams in the country. And I would argue truly a low bar, but I'll go with you. Um, they're nine and three. They haven't beaten anyone impressive. Their best win is Missouri State, and that was on a buzzer beater. Um, they won by one point. Mark, they don't ask how; they ask if. Yes, 
But they have not lost at home yet this year. They're nine and zero at home. Nine and zero at home. Tough place to play. Hey, listen. Is it you know you don't just go into the Reynolds Center, That's right, Jeffrey? Um, I will say what, what I like about the Reynolds. One of the few places other than Memphis where you get to sit courtside mm. um, in the AAC. doesn't happen more. Doesn't yeah. happen that mm. much anymore. Um, but you do get to sit courtside in at Tulsa, um, or at least you you have in the past. Um, it'll be interesting what Tulsa has done. Like Penny said the other day on his radio show, this is not the same Tulsa. And what, what Conkle has done. Basically, took the two best. He he came from Louisiana Tech and kind of did it a little unorthodox. Jeffrey instead waited a year of, to take him, and yes, waited a year to raid the roster he recruited to Louisiana Tech. Well, I do have a follow up question to that, Mister Conkle, mm-hmm. Coach Conkle, if you will. Yeah, uh, is that because you brought them in the first time you transferred them in from somewhere else, and you had to wait till they graduated to bring them in? I don't know, but basically, the two best players from Louisiana Tech last year are now on Tulsa. Right, but so my. Again, this is just gut. Mm-hmm. My gut says that they might have used their transfer, and so he had to wait till they gra- to quote unquote graduated to be a graduate transfer. But then, so that was uh, Keiston Keiston Willis, who uh, is six uh, three guard, and Kobe Williams, who's another one. Basically, their starting backcourt is Louisiana Tech's backcourt from last year, and they've improved things. And then. Their best player is this guy PJ Haggerty. Haggerty, another six. Another PJ. Well, he was a four-star recruit who enrolled initially at TCU, and has now landed. He's a redshirt freshman. I don't. I have not yet figured out exactly what happened to him at TCU, but he's now a redshirt freshman at Tulsa. Do we have a parts unknown year? Yeah, so last year he played in six games before redshirting for TCU. Um, so he's a he's a higher profile recruit than Tulsa typically gets, and like they got him through the transfer portal. Um, and he's like been one of the best players in the AAC so far this year. He's averaging seventeen points a game. Um, he's been very he's been a very good player, and so they got a lot. They got a but honestly, kind of a lot like. Uh, they look on paper a lot like FAU from a profile of they got a bunch of like six foot six three guys and, and then one, one really bi- tall guy and then like well not they don't quite have a really tall guy they have a six eight guy six eight six nine guy so um, you should have a size advantage you will have a talent advantage um, but they have four guys averaging in double figures um, but they have not played anyone close to as good as Memphis no you know the other thing I was thinking about last night as I was watching some more. Uh, C-U-A-C basketball. Mm-hmm. You know what Penny really needs to do this year? What's that? Something they haven't done very much of under him. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this as I was watching Tulane and Rice. And Rice kind of made it a little uncomfortable for Tulane with maybe, you know, somewhere around like 12 minutes to go in the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas, so Tulane basically dominates the first half, goes up like 17. Mm-hmm. Second half, Rice cuts it to single digits, and you're like, oh, man, is this going to end up kind of being like one of those, it's not really a close game, but the score's close. Mm-hmm. Tulane just blows them out of the water for like the next, you know, the next 12 minutes of basketball and wins nearly by 25. That really does help you metrically. Like, when everyone talks about why, sometimes metrics do lie because mm-hmm. Memphis's resume should speak for itself, and I'm 
still kind of tend to think it will in the end because of their big wins. But part of the way like you manipulate these metrics mm-hmm. is you start blowing people out. The problem that I've always seen is when we get into these games where Memphis can blow people out, you kind of get high school penny coach back in where I'm going to let all the guys play. Mm-hmm. And that prevents yeah, but you. There's, I, I know that's bad metrically, but that can be good spiritually for a team. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I know you don't I know I know you don't necessarily, you know, you're right, metrically to play like for instance, let's say this game they're up 20 and mm-hmm. he decides, let's give Jonathan Pierre some minutes. Yeah. Tonight. That's like the right isn't that kind of how you yes, that's what yes, you're talking yes. about. It's it's a lot of the let, and then, let's get and some then guys what could have been a 20 or 25 point win turns into like a 9 or yes. 12 point win. Yes. Um and what I would say is if Penny thinks Jonathan Pierre is going to be like a big part of next year's team, like this is like important. Yeah, but I guess my my rebuttal to that, Coach Penny, would be there have been a lot of guys you think are going to be a big part of next year's team, and then you get into the summer, and then you realize, think, like, eh, okay, moving on. I think if you worry too much about the numbers, like, I think if you just stack up wins, no matter how they come, if you have a gaudy record at the end of the year, it doesn't matter what the margin of victory in these games was. Mm. I, I, you- I tend I tend to think you're right. I'm still I'm I'm staying consistent with what I said yesterday. I want to see that. I want to see that first selection. I think top you're right 16. that if you're going to go like 13 and five or 14 and four in league play, some people out. then you need those some of those 13 or 14 wins to be blots. Mm-hmm. If you're going 16 or two, 16 and two or 17 and one in league play, I don't think it's going to matter if you blew out a bunch. I'll say of teams. this: Kelvin subscribed to that notion. When Kelvin could get him a forty point conference win, he'd do it. Kelvin also just doesn't play as many guys as Penny does normally. Like Penny, no, I mean, they Kelvin also play at a smaller, slower pace, yes. so you're not as you're not as afraid to play. Yeah. Now tonight's game against Tulsa will be interesting. Tulsa plays at a relatively fast pace and also ranks three hundredth in the country in turnover percentage. I like this year. that. Um, That's old school Tigers. Yes, they are one of the least efficient offenses in the country. Mm, That's good um, stuff. Yes, uh, and so. Um, but they the do. All right, excuse me. They do because of PJ Haggerty get to the free throw line a lot. Haggerty is very good at getting to the free throw line. Not a good shooter. He's averaging 17 points per game, Jeffrey, and he is only shooting 26 percent from three point range. Um, so he's a guy. If you can keep him out of the lane and force him to shoot jumpers, I don't think Tulsa has any ch- chance in this game. Well, if I'm Tulsa, I don't like the matchup of. I'm going up against a team that is very long and athletic and forcing turnovers, and I don't. And, and if basketball. you look at Tulsa's roster, the way they're going to beat teams this year is like. Now I will say this: they're more of a small ball type of team, and we've seen, and they have a little point guard, Kobe. Uh, I thought you just said it. Was it not Kobe Williams? I was say it's not Kobe White, but I was like it was W something. It, it Kobe Williams and um, Memphis has struggled defending little point guards. Um, this year, quick little point guards. And so um, that will be another additional challenge. And we'll see from a roster perspective. I, I know Penny said David Jones and Caleb Mills were, you know, not practicing the early portion of the week. I, from what I don't, I don't think there's certainly with Jones, I think he's going to play. It sounds like from talking to Jason Munns earlier. Um, but I haven't heard anything in terms of, I haven't heard anything bad on that front in terms of like, well, I, mean, I feel like we would have Jones heard at this made, point if they weren't going to play. Jones was an illness. I would hope yes. at this point, like, you're kind of bouncing back. Yes. Um, and, uh... I mean, so, right, it's been, over, it's been a week since we've seen him, right? 
And he was he still played the last game. He just was clearly like it's like oh he he does. Well, look the like fact he, that he didn't practice Monday or Tuesday was yeah, like sometimes oh, you gotta get you some rest. Yeah, I guess you're right. Rest and fluids. Um, but nonetheless, it should you know this is the start of for Memphis a conference schedule that is going to be tricky in the sense of deal managing you know. Well, so here's emotions and expectations and your level of play because. Ultimately, you're going to be favored in every game here coming up. If they lose this one, put it on me. I'll be honest. I'm not that worried about tonight. Mm-hmm. You know what I do think is kind of an awkward game? What's that? It's the SMU game, and here's why. Even though you're getting them at home. On Sunday. SMU played on Tuesday. Mm. And kind of, and you know, you got the, you're Time going to, to Tulsa back. I think that one's a little squirrely. Maybe, but I think. I mean, I'm still not, I'm not scared particularly of either because that one is at home. Mm-hmm. But I will I will say this. If I'm a team that turns the basketball over, you know a team I don't want to see? Memphis. Now, I'll say this. SMU also turns the ball over. Um, they're just, they deal with a little better players. Yes. They're slightly they're better. They're not one of the worst, <laughs> least efficient Correct. offensive teams in the country. They're a top 100 offensive team. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, – this is the start of an interesting stretch in terms of you got to – you got to get a gaudy, gaudy record here. Um, yeah, I'm with you in that I'm not particularly concerned um, about the team coming off these two games. I think, frankly, I would hope one thing you're kind of looking for in this game. I mean, things I'm looking for is like. Well, I'm, my first thing I'm looking for is what's Tomlin's role? Well, yeah, Tomlin, is he starting tonight? I bet not. I would guess not. So, we talked about it with Penny being superstitious. Yeah. Could you make the argument but that he's even, though they didn't, this year even, though they, even though they didn't lose, the fact that they didn't play like he thought they should, maybe mixing it up a little? I could see that. I wouldn't, it wouldn't, I mean, given Penny, it doesn't matter if you start, I don't think. Like, frankly, if you so go through I, his stuff, he, I never, agree, I he agree rarely ends up going back to the starting lineup very often once he I just agree, starts the game with it. I agree from... His perspective and in his mind, mm-hmm. I think he does know he has to be delicate because it does sometimes matter to kids. He yes. does. It does yeah, seem yeah, like yeah. he's very sensitive of juggling that at times. Yeah, that's probably right. I mean, I, I'm hoping. I'm. I'm thinking. I'm with you. I think this is going to be a decisive win tonight. Like a. I don't know what the margin of victory is, but. I would be surprised if it feels like the last two games where you're like, oh, man, they better they better turn it on here late. You know, like that was what the last two games were like. Well, the Vanderbilt Vandy, the Vandy game was a little deeper that, than that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, Austin P was a different level. Yeah. Uh, the Austin P was a lower level of stress Correct. than the Vanderbilt game. Um, but and even though like the last two and a half minutes, I thought they were going to win. The way but they it is handled that last game. minute against Vandy. Do we know, is Tulsa in school? Is Tulsa in session? I don't know, because Tulsa's also a sneaky private school. Yes. Um, I bet you it's going to be a sleepy crowd there tonight. Well, even when it was even though they're se- nine and three or even whatever. Even when they're in session, it's a fairly sleepy crowd. Yeah, yeah. Let's see, Tulsa Academic Counter. Are we going to have some students in there tonight? Oh, yep, yep. First day of class is January 2nd. Mm. So we'll, and this this will I bet you that. brutal. I bet you, though, this will be their highest wait, wait, wait. Is that intercession comp- or is that back-back? It says January term. Oh, no, no, you're right. This is the, uh, this is the yeah, winter little, session. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, no, no. Spring. Let's get you a little intercession. Yeah. January 13th there is the first oh, day. Now we're cooking with gas. Yeah, so 
Um, oh, and really, no, it's January 16th is the first day of classes. So there won't, this is going to be a dead crowd tonight. Yeah. Thursday, Thursday night. Know, it was going to be electric. <laughs> if it would have been three weeks from now. Well, as like, someone who has been there, the only area that makes noise at a Tulsa game is the student mm-hmm. section. It's not an impressive one, but it's just usually more impressive than the general crowd. It looks slightly better than a Pepperdine crowd. Yeah, I mean, I've never covered a game against a good Tulsa team, so I don't know what it, a good, you know, I don't know what it looks like. It's not the greatest. It's like, oh, it's not the greatest scene <laughs> for a college no, basketball game. No, they used game. to care about basketball to a higher level. Um, I think they still care. They just haven't hit on any coaches lately. Like, they spend a decent amount of money on a coach. Yeah. And the facility compared to other AAC no, it's, teams it's a is good, fine. it's a good building, yeah. Yeah, like... I've always thought their problem is they kind of fluctuate with how much they – it seems like they kind of go with the wind whether or not they're going to be committed to sports or they're not going to be committed well, to sports. Well, they had that run of they had they hired Tubby Smith at the beginning of Tubby Smith's career. Yep. Then they hired Bill Self at the oh, beginning yeah. of Bill Self's career. Who else was the coach there? Wasn't, wasn't uh, uh, the guy that was everywhere, Florida, Oklahoma, Illinois. Lon uh, Kruger. Lon, well, I think was Kruger there at one point? No, but t- Nolan Richardson yeah, was there at one point yeah. uh, before he was at Arkansas. I there was somebody after self. I mean, Doug Wojcik. I don't know if he was any. Co- he was okay. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, who, he was. He could the, forget. He, he, he won 60% of coach? his games. Yeah, I think he might be. Yeah, but Bill Self. Um, then they started doing, like, reach. I mean, Danny Manning was decent yeah. there. That's how he got, like, the Wake Forest job. Um, but, yeah, so it's they – haven't, they haven't made a bunch of great hires Danny Manning left after one year. Haith was okay, I guess. Yeah. He only made the tournament one year, one time, though. I feel like Haith. eight years. Haith was there. Haith was like kind of the same there that he was at Missouri, where. Well, he made the tournament like, at the very right. Yeah. Well, Murray barely got in. Yeah, they snuck he was, in. They yeah. were, he was like the team everyone was shocked made it in. Yeah. And uh, it was the one – I believe it's the one time the AAC's gotten three teams in the tournament. Yeah, it was – Or the, the last time they got three teams in the tournament. And Tulsa was like the team that everyone had to ask, why did Tulsa get in? Yes. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. That's not a but good But it was well-timed. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.